Stay curious. With a deeper way, there is always more. In times of sharing and processing, the first response is rarely deep enough, rarely insightful enough, and rarely gets to the heart of an issue. Encourage people to go further. Use the skills of probes, silence, and open-ended questions to facilitate deeper exploration. A deeper way. Foundational tenant number four. I'm Casey Lanko. And I'm Tim Johansson. And welcome to Psychology at Work. Welcome back to the Psychology at Work podcast. Today, we continue the conversation around a deeper way foundational tenant number four. Stay curious. Stay curious. And will we ever stay curious with our guests mm. today? We have two a Deeper Way certified facilitators. First up, Lee Shebik is an executive director of an area activity center, small business owner, consultant, wears more hats than most of us have. Lee mm-hmm. has been a coach his entire life, whether it was coaching baseball and in full disclosure, my first baseball coach, mentoring Ooh. youth or conducting training programs Helping others become the best version of themselves is his real passion. We also have with us Allison Crotto, and she's the founder of The Flourish Factor. And her mission in life is to share all of the knowledge she has regarding being an effective and fulfilled human being. As a lifelong student of these things, and primarily learned through the school of learning the hard way, as she puts mm. it. Her favorite thing is to get to the bottom of what it takes for people to really thrive Mm. and to make that as simple as possible for everybody. Let's dive into the conversation. Allison and Lee, welcome to Psychology at Work. Thank you both for being here with us. Let's start just by introducing your voices to our listeners. Allison. Thank you. I'm Allison Crotto, founder of The Flourish Factor. That is my life coaching practice. I formerly trained as a social worker and been obsessed with the human experience and personal development forever. So I went out on my own and started my own practice. And now I coach individuals and work with organizations. Awesome. I love that you said obsessed. love that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Lee. Uh, I'm Lee Shevick. I'm an entrepreneur and I also run a nonprofit organization. I do a lot of leadership development, a lot of coaching, a lot of training on, a, on customer service, on some other things. And this just had allowed me to go a lot deeper into those tenets of customer service that I do, which was developed through the University of Minnesota's Extensions Office. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was a good tie in. And now I'm branching off on my own and doing some own stuff with this as well as the nonprofit and really diving into that sector. So awesome. Well, we're excited to have you both with us today to talk about staying curious. So you both uh, read this so beautifully for us to kick off the episode. So let's just start with that big open-ended question. When you, when you hear these words and you read this tenant, stay curious, what comes up for you? For me, it's always, there's always more, right? When we're sitting there and we're talking about any, 
any initial idea or conversation or plan of action, um, you know, in the business term, then, then there's always just the surface, right? There's just the stuff that's sitting on the surface and, and, and that's great. And you can spend all your time trying to, trying to hit the surface stuff, but you're not going to advance your mission. You're not going to advance your vision. You're not going to advance the organization or just you personally too, if, if you have those things set up. Uh, without going deeper, without talking about, um, you know, the difficult questions, difficult answers, and some of those kinds of things. So that's what, when I, when I, for me, stay curious, that's what it's talking about. For me, staying curious, it sounds so simple, but it is one of the most valuable skills and one of the most powerful gifts I think you can give another person in your life, in your work. I think that's one of the things that I see the most in coaching individuals is that people really don't get much of that. Nowadays, we're kind of, we're all busy. We're all kind of operating sometimes at a real surface, superficial level. You don't really get to go deeper very often. And even with, even with ourselves, we don't always give ourselves the time and space to be curious. And so for me, it's, one of the key things in connecting with people, especially in, in coaching. What you just said kind of struck me because I think about the tenant often as like to stay curious toward other people, but the impact that it has when someone's curious about you, like that actually feels really good. And you're right. We don't really get that very much. Why do you think? Mm. Everyone, you've all sort of talked about this yeah. idea that, you know, in most situations, whether it's brainstorming, you know, at a business meeting or, or developing an action plan or thinking about our own selves that, or, or thinking about others, you know, we often maybe stay on, people have used that word, the surface. Why? I think because it's safe, it's comfortable. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. We just, I was just having a conversation with a guy that used to be in corporate office for banking and he would go into the companies and restructure them. So he had those difficult conversations saying, yeah, you should not be a manager. We're going to bump you down. We're going to move you up and we're going to provide you training. And we were just talking about this and, 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 and a lot of those situations, it's just, I'm scared, if you will, Mm -hmm. of losing my job. I'm scared of, of, I don't know, pick, pick any number of things. Right. But like, I, I don't want to let Allison, for example, uh, you know, I don't want to highlight her and compliment her. And that could look bad on me. It could, it could affect how people see me and maybe I'm, uh, you know, and, and then that's going to come around on the back end and, and I might not get a promotion or I might not, you know, I might not be. So again, it comes back to that. I'm scared or I, the fear that we talk about all the time, right. Is, is they're not confident in themselves to go deeper. It might not be that I'm not confident or, you know, or I'm not, I don't get uncomfortable talking about it. I'm just scared for myself. Yeah. And, and so I just want to stay on that level. Yeah. Yeah. It highlights for both of your comments highlight how it's so related to obviously the, the previous tenants and in particular the the immediate previous one get used to discomfort. So because w- without having that principle there and sort of 
allowing the the space or the acknowledgement of yeah it might be uncomfortable and that's okay like <laughs> that 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 we need to go there you you both do coaching and and and, and sort of working with others and have talked about this necessity of staying curious. One of the questions that we get around all of the tenants, but I think perhaps this one is, well, what do you do? How do you do it? Mm. <laughs> so, so what does it look like mm. to actually be staying curious? What, mm. How do you actually do that? For me, I think something I had to learn early on in my coaching days was just leave space for not knowing everything and move more into the role of student than teacher. Because it's when you're first starting out, you really think I need to show that I, Oh, I know I can fix this. I know everything. And that doesn't, that doesn't get very far um, (laughs) at all. And so for me, it's leaving space and truly, truly being curious about um, committing to neutrality, which is Mm. hard. It's hard. It takes practice. Um, But you can tell, you can tell, you know, when someone you mentioned in that last episode, Tim, about you, you don't want to just try to ask questions to lead somebody to where you already think they're going and they already know. (laughs) And you know, when people are doing that with you, um, it's not it's not genuine and it doesn't leave space for y- your story, your experience, um, your your feelings to be valid. And so that's how I try to remind myself to just be neutral and learn, be a student, because I truly don't know anyone else's experience. And usually that just giving that space allows people to really go deeper and find what they're looking for. Yeah. Allison, just a quick follow-up there, because I think you said something that um, is difficult for us as humans to really accept, mm-hmm. which is that when we are in the position of being the helper, so whatever that means, you know, coach, leader, manager, therapist, whatever specific hat it is, mm-hmm. that it's actually more helpful to not try to fix. Mm. Yes. Yes. How did you come to, to know that? Because Mm. I think that is one of the most difficult things for people to really kind of internalize fully. Yes. The most positive feedback I've ever gotten from clients has nothing to do with the skills that I bring (laughs) to the table often. Um, in their perspective, it's simply the space that I allow and the, the act of listening, the act of being present and giving them the space they don't give themselves or other people don't often. Um, so, so although of course you have to, as a coach, um, you know, intertwine your skills that you've learned, but um, that's that's kind of how I realized, okay, well, wow, really what people want is just someone to be curious about them and and listen. Um, and and I mean, that's the same for me as well as in my personal experience, too. So I get that. I agree with all of that, too. And that's like for me, what I found very interesting is is I was just brought in to facilitate a group that was doing 
strategic planning. They wanted strategic planning. We got a strategic plan. We're trying to decide what the direction of our uh, a community is trying to create a nonprofit. And it's going to be a community. And again, it was originally, you know, uh, no offense to anybody, don't take this the wrong way, but the old boys club, right? And, and, and we're like, you need high school kids. You need servers at the restaurant. You don't need the bankers and the lawyers and everybody in town that always do everything because you're missing a perspective. And so we brought some different groups together or different individuals together. We went in about an hour and a half in that session and I might've spoke maybe 15 minutes and it was just kind of asking questions or following up, you know, like, Hey, okay. So elaborate a little bit more on your idea on that. And to me, that's really how at the heart, I guess, for me anyway, of stay curious, isn't the only way I can go deeper or learn more things about what an organization or an individual is doing is by listening, is by asking those questions and let them go wherever they want. And it's, it, you'll be amazed on where you can go with training and development if you don't punch up your PowerPoint slides every single time and read your notes section and, oh, let's move on to the next one and and go with that. And I'm not much of a, a pre-planned kind of a person. And so it kind of comes natural just to let's see where we're going with it. But to me, that's really at the heart of it. And that's, I think that's where this, you know, the facilitators that have this can really stand out is with these tenants is there isn't just oh, let's put a slide together and let's do a PowerPoint for an hour, four hours or three hours, and then we're done. Good luck. Right, right. And that's not what this is. I think that's such a great point around, uh, my bias is coming in here, of course, because I hate PowerPoints, primarily because I feel so um, insecure about my capacity to make them. But it's also related to what you were just saying, Lee, which is, yes, you, you need to have, you know, sort of an, a, a, a plan in terms of where are we going, talking about kind of a group situation, you know, what's the overarching goal. But at the same time, if, if we're too tied to what's on the PowerPoint, if we're too tied to our own agenda of all the talking points that we want to get out, we will absolutely miss opportunities to go where the group actually needs to go. And that is inherently in this tenant, right? Which is, yeah, we have some ideas that we want to try to explore, but if someone brings up something and the group's energy goes toward that, well, I'm sure going to say, let's, let's talk more about that. And if, if we're not staying curious and what I've heard both of you kind of introduce here and kind of tying into what Tim was talking about in the previous episode, obviously as facilitators, we're present, we're there, we're in the room, we are part of the situation, but it can't be about us and our agenda. If mm-hmm. you will. What kind of comes up with that idea? Yeah, for me, it's it, one of the very first things that, that we do is what are your goals? What are your objectives? What do you need? You know, what are you looking for in turn in terms of this training and development that that I'm doing or, or coaching, whatever you want to call it? And then I get those, and then it's really just get out of the way, right? Give me, give me where we're supposed to go. Yeah. And I'll get us there 
however that group takes us there. Right. It's not me, you know, oh, well, we need to get deep. I want to cover these three topics or these three goals. And that's what we want to do. The, we'll let the group we're working with decide or the individual we're deciding. You know, and that's where a lot of that's where kind of our expertise or my expertise is with the, you know, strategic planning and those kinds of things. That's what it is. It's here's where we need to get to. Now, let's bring everybody together and ask the questions. And, you know, I think I think it was Tim that made maybe made the comment in the last last podcast about certainty. I can have a plan and then that's going to fall apart. And, and where do I go from that or whatever that Mike Tyson quote is, right? Everybody has a plan until I get punched in the face, right? So then what happens, right? Then what happens? Plan goes out the window and now how do you adapt? And to me, this tenant reflects that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so true? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I think almost more often, not physically. Right. You know, for me, this tenant, is kind of personally is one that I have found to be almost the most useful mm. in helping myself realize or recognize when I'm in self-protection because when I'm in self-protection, I'm actually, I know exactly what that feels like and I am very certain <laughs> mm-hmm. and yep. I actually lose my curiosity immediately. Yeah. And like from that place, then enter into conversations or whatever without that. What's the goal? What's the purpose of this? Like, why are we engaging? And I'll default into kind of showing how much I know and kind of proving it and talking to and that I get there really quickly, automatically when I'm in that self-protection place and have come to really learn wow, I spend a lot of time there. I have (laughs) way more than I even realized or thought because I think this idea of self-protection, it looks like a million different things. It's not just one thing. It's not just angry. And often we don't even realize what we're really afraid of. And we're closed off to exploring it when we're not curious. And we, we can lose our curiosity really quickly, I think. Yeah. And for me, this is like, you know, just going back, right. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Analogy, right? You said not physically, but COVID did that. Name, mm. name a sector in this world or a country in this world that didn't get punched in the face when COVID hit. And so the Pizza ones delivery. that had, had <laughs> contingency plans, right. Or, yeah. Or can adapt and we're staying curious right. and we're just closed off. Like here's, you know, for whatever, 32 years, here's how we operated our nonprofit organization. And yeah. then COVID came along and you got drilled right in the face. Yeah. Okay. Now what? And so to me, that, that, that all of a sudden you had to open yourself up. You had to start talking to maybe groups you've never even considered talking to or people that you've never considered talking or especially right when we, when we go back to the, to the discomfort one. Now I'm talking to my competitors saying, Hey, what are you guys doing? How are you guys surviving? And all all of a sudden it opened up everybody's mind to sharing and and participating as facilitators. We do that kind of all the time, right? I mean, that's, that's how you get better. That's how you learn. That's how 
but in in a lot of the business world they don't do that they don't share inside secrets they don't share what they're doing they don't share their financials and now COVID hit and they had to become curious and and open their mind up for those kinds of things because that was the only way they were going to change and survive it's such a great uh, analogy in a practical real world sense and it it, it really is a really good metaphor for connection versus self-protection and how if you've stayed in as a business sort of at the broader scale, if you've stayed in that self-protection over the past year and a half, you might be in a much more tricky situation right now than those that chose to put the walls down and, 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 and lean into that connection and, and talk to people that the member talk, had talked before um, and figure out, how are we going to get through this together? I, I love bringing the self-protection piece into this, as Tim was doing there a moment ago, too. And I know in the previous episode, we talked about that a lot with that idea of there is such profound power. And I just used that word intentionally. And when we feel that urge to to, to put up the walls, when we feel that urge to throw a punch, when we feel that urge to tell ourselves stories about how someone's out to get me, whatever your flavor is of self-protection, what we're really doing is giving a lot of power to that thing that's scaring us. We're really, we're really allowing that thing, whether it's an internal fear or it's my competitor, whatever it is, we're, we're really giving that thing a lot of power to have over us. And if you lean into this tenant in that moment, in the episode, we talk about just go, huh, well, that's kind of interesting. I wonder what that's about. You can shift that power and really actually take it back. No, this fear doesn't have to have power over me. I can notice it and, and absolutely know that it exists, which is, inherently me taking that power back and saying, well, this is what I'm actually going to do with this. And I'm not going to allow it to take over my and consume me in, in all kinds of unproductive moments. Yeah. Curiosity kind of removes judgment and yeah, whether it's me working with a client and being curious, it becomes, Oh, it's you and me against this problem and we're going to figure it out. And yeah, it doesn't, or myself, hmm, I, it feels a lot better to say, huh, I wonder why I do that than, um, wow, this, you know, <laughs> I'm A, B, or C, some kind of self-judgment. Um, yep. It really, it removes the meaning people are making about themselves as well, because really when you get down to it, it's not about you're a bad person. It's there's a reason there's a reason behind when you really get to the bottom of of issues. But I think that's a lot of the fear, too, that people are trying to protect themselves against learning um, something negative about their their worth, which curiosity really eliminates. I love what you said there about removes judgment and also to reminds me of a something that one of our professors said is that every behavior worked at one time and it yeah. served a purpose and every behavior was useful for something at one time. 
and some of them are continue to be useful, but some don't continue to be useful. And thinking about it that way versus, you know, what's wrong with that person, right? <laughs> it, and I think we do it to ourselves too. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with me? Well, and, to that point, I think to bring in, you know, Lee brought into the COVID situation. Yeah. You know, when, when COVID right. came on the scene, if you will, those first few weeks in particular were just really challenging for all kinds yeah. of reasons. And I know we, we were called in to do a lot of sort of team sessions in those moments. And you, you felt like you just couldn't pull yourself together. Right. <laughs> in those, in those early days. Mm-hmm. And, and that the common question that folks ask is what's wrong with me? Right. Why can't I get it together? Right. Everyone else is figuring this out. Why can't I? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Story. <Yeah. laughs> Just a bit. I I think too, just in observing and seeing different people in different spheres of my life and things, you can notice the people who haven't been able to get to that place of curiosity. You can see kind of the prison they're in. Yes. And I'm not thinking of any one particular, but like you can we can all see that probably and we can all relate to it too. We get in our own prisons. So it's not, there's people doing this right and doing it wrong, but with the kind of proclivity to stay in that certainty and not explore and kind of batten down the hatches and go into that self-protection and stay in that place. It's, it is a prison that you're in and it, you can see them. It's miserable. Yeah. It's miserable. And it's, I think, back to what Allison said, you know, to stay on the surface, we think that that's safe. We think that staying surface, staying up here is safe and comfortable. And the longer we stay there, when change is happening, when disruption is happening, the, the more we kind of get lost from all the good stuff in the world. And I said good. I could probably figure out a better word, but fulfilling rich, deeper things. I love the the analogy uh, or the metaphor of prison, right? Because there's a there's a paradox, I think, in so going back to what both elements of what both Lee and Allison have talked about, when we can actually get to a, a moment where we can accept that we don't know, mm. that's actually then the starting point to figuring it out, right? When we come in with certainty, like this is what it is, this is how it's going to be. And it's like, well, is it really? No, I don't really know. But when we give up having to know and, 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 you know, putting our fists down and leaning into curiosity, there's great freedom in actually not knowing. And we can sort of spread the, like Lee shared, like, Let's bring in the high school kids. Let's bring in bring in the people who've never been at the table. And because I can't possibly know it all. I can't have all the answers. And thank goodness I don't. <laughs> right? But if unless we lean into the not knowing, which is essential to curiosity, it's difficult to, to do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you look at it from be safe, be patient. 
get used to the discomfort. All right. And now we got to stay curious. You can't do the curious without having those three in place. And, you know, just some of the meetings that we had before I had this training, right. We were just going in and we were, we were talking about, Hey, okay, here's what we're, here's the information we have right now on COVID uh, to my, to my staff, right. Here's the information we have on COVID. Here's kind of where we think we're going to go with this based on this information that we have right now. And then as everybody knows, two days later, something changed and now you got to go back. And with a couple of my staff, they were, I could just see the change in, in their behavior, the change in their body language. They aren't ones that if we were to do the assessment on them, I'm sure like they cannot handle all of the information. Like I, I soak mm. up as much information to me, information is, is knowledge. It's power. It, the, give me all of the information I have. I'll make a decision and then I'm going. It's not finalized. I'll change it as we go, but I can, then I can go to you and you can scream and yell at me. Well, why make that decision? Why'd you make that? Because this is the information we had when the decision was made. And my two staff members, they couldn't handle that. They just needed to know what am I doing right now? What am I? Don't, don't tell me this because then they'd come back. Well, it changed two days later. Well, okay. Now we're making this decision, but it changed. Like they can't, they can't process all of that. And so coming to that, that safe spot where we could share that, where they could just tell us, Hey, I'm freaking out because I don't know if I'm going to have a job or are, are you going to have me back? Do you know, if we don't have any members coming into our facility uh, and we don't, and I'm not, you know, my whole job is raising money and we're not raising money right now. Do I have a job? So it's those kinds of things that, that you have to, you absolutely have to, you know, as a leader, you have to provide a safe environment where they can say whatever they need to say when they're comfortable saying it, you can't push them, uh, you know, as you guys know, but then the discomfort is you just sit there in silence. Yes. And you just, you just watch them, right? You people watch <laughs> yes. and, and you just wait for somebody to, okay, I can't handle the silence any longer. And then they'll jump in as kind of my experience, you know, at least from running a nonprofit, I'll go in and we'll say, okay, here's what we're going to do much like you guys do. And then, and then I'll just sit there. And I'll just kind of watch everybody. And I'm perfectly comfortable not saying anything. And and then finally somebody's gonna just crack. So yes. speak, right. But now they're in a safe spot. They got themselves there because now they're willing to to do that. I'm so glad you brought up the S word, because I was hoping we'd get to that. Silence. It is, I think, and we talked about this in the last episode, one of the most helpful things for displaying this sort of curiosity. Now, don't hear, audience, (laughs) that silence is, we're just standing there or sitting there, you know, with a blank stare, disengaged. That's different, right? That's sending a message. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm not interested. I don't want to be here. Can we get this done? Right. But you can be very engaged um, Mm -hmm. with your body, with your face, with your facial expressions, nodding the whole thing. And as Lee said, staying out of the way. So often, just because people aren't talking for two seconds, doesn't mean they're not thinking. Doesn't mean they're not processing. One of the things that I see this in classrooms all the time, drives me crazy. A teacher, and I can say this as a former teacher, so I'm part of the club, I'm not bashing. (laughs) (laughs) 
ask a question and then there isn't an immediate response. So they'll ask another question and then there isn't an immediate response. So they clarify their first question. And it's like, well, give people a couple seconds to think of a response before you jump in out of your own discomfort, out of assuming that you don't know what you're doing, out of assuming that I probably asked a stupid question, right? All those assuming I'm not competent. That's, that's what that fear is usually about and stay out of the way. So I'm getting to the point of rambling now. How do you all leave? You're just talking about it. Allison, how do you see silence coming into play in your work? Mm. The the good news about being a, in the service or helper field is that it's not about you. And the hard, hard news is that it's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> and you really have to check your ego at the door. You have to check your fear of incompetence at the door, discomfort with silence. Um, all of that, all of that are, are things I've had to learn over time that you know, it's just based out of me wanting to prove I'm, I want to help people, but, um, or prove that I know how prove that I, you know, (laughs) know everything, but, um, me wanting to help someone is about, it's about them. It's not about me. And silence in particular is uncomfortable to a lot of people. And it took me a lot of time to it really didn't take me a lot of time. It took me one time, <laughs> one time to see that it really works. Um, yes. To to let myself just be and allow the space and time and and it and it works and it's a it's a warm open invitation for someone to go deeper to share. I mean, for me, I'm I'm in so many conversations in my non-work life that are just, there's so much noise. There's so much talking. There's so much, there's, there's rarely any silence that when that happens, it's just a gift. It's just, it's, that's my thing. I, I love. Yeah. It can make all the, to me anyway, it can make all the difference in the world, especially in a team setting. And to your point of the, the instructor, it not only takes a couple seconds or maybe longer to formulate. Okay. Back to, I think was Tim at the point earlier was, can I give my response? Right? Should I give my response? Is it relevant here? Is it is it uh, is it important enough for me to to give that response? So it takes some time to generate that, but then they also have to get to the point where they're comfortable or safe to do that. Right? Right? I might I might have absolutely I might have some really great feedback for in our staff meetings. I might have some really great ideas, or I want to change something, or I'm questioning maybe a, a decision that that I would that I made as the executive director or that the board sent to me and now I'm rolling it out um, organizational wide and it takes them a second. They've probably thought about it. They probably maybe rehearsed it, maybe even brought it up with, with all the other staff and saying, Hey, I'm thinking about bringing this up. Where does everybody fall on the scale to kind of get that backing and that support and that acknowledgement, but it still takes that time. And if you, if you don't allow them that time, you're missing out on so much more information that could come from that conversation. And, and that kind of goes at the heart of what, of what this here is here. So, you know, staying curious out of that, out of all of, all of that wording that's in that tenant, to me, the silence is the biggest piece of that. 
because it can provide the most information. Absolutely. Silence doesn't work as well on podcasts because people think that their <laughs> app is frozen or something, but um, <laughs> it really doesn't work in texting. No, that's <laughs> yeah. true. That's true. What, what I kind of think about with silence when we're using it productively this way is we've talked about this before, but our conscious brain processes about 40,000 bits of data in a moment our unconscious brain processes 2 billion bits of data. And I think of silence as like giving that other person the opportunity to let their consciousness kind of scan across these 2 billion bits of data because the answer is somewhere over there. And it takes time because we can only process a very small little sliver in one moment. So 15 seconds is scanning across 15 different packets of 40,000 bits and takes a while to get through 2 billion. And I love what you said, Allison, because I experienced that myself when I did that once with someone and gave them, and then it worked. It's like addicting. Yeah. It's like something just clicked. You're like, oh, that's what we do. That's how to do it. It's like, well, that feels good. Yeah, and you realize, wait, I don't even have to say anything. Right. <laughs> right. This is easy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a different kind of rewarding yeah. feeling mm-hmm. that you can only know when you've done that. And it's different than like, look at that amazing presentation I just gave someone. And it's a very different kind of rewarding feeling. Yeah. And it really allows for connection, actual connection. I mean, have you ever been in a conversation with someone and he or she jumps from topic to topic to topic and you're, yeah, you're can't keep up. And at the end of it, sure. (laughs) There was a lot of information exchange, but no connection, no connection. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to, we're going to give everyone an opportunity for deeper connection with you two. Um, by transitioning to a rapid fire yes. round of, of closing arguments here, not, not closing arguments, closing questions. Question number one, and we'll start with Allison. What's your truth? My truth is that I'm a worthy person just the way I am. And I'm here to share my natural gifts with the world. Allison's truth. <laughs> to you. What's your truth? That I'm the wizard behind the curtain. That my my role as an executive or uh, a coach or a father and husband should be behind the curtain, granting them the power to be who they want to be. And it's not about me. And that's kind of, I, I, I think of that analogy all the time. It was someone that was said to me long, long ago. And uh, it really, right, if you're behind the curtain, then it's not about you. And so that's kind of my way of constantly mm. thinking it's not about me. Lee Shebek, what does courage mean to you? So I have my favorite quote, and, uh, and to me, it really sums it up. Um, and it says, be without fear in the face of your enemies. Be brave and upright that God may love thee. Speak the truth always, even if it leads to your death. Safe, safeguard the helpless and do no wrong. And mm-hmm. It's probably out of date 
but it really does speak the truth. In today's world, there's not a lot of, of that coming from political leaders, from leaders of companies and leaders and organizations. And I think speaking the truth is courage. You're not going to like it. I'm going to face the consequences of speaking the truth, you know, even on a small team level, right? I'm going to speak the truth and there's going to be discomfort there. So it's bracing that discomfort. It's, it's bracing the silence of them staring back at you and, and all of the thoughts that I think they're having in their head and conversations they're having, having in their head. But mm-hmm. to me, that, that quote really sums up uh, what courage is. Allison Crotto, what does courage mean to you? To me, courage is letting yourself be your authentic self and letting other people be themselves. That's, to me, the most courageous thing you can do is really live as your authentic self. Final question is a two-parter. What's your hope? And the second part is just simply, how can the folks find you? What would you like them to to know about you as we say goodbye? Uh, My hope would be that that everybody would participate in in some type of training or development with with a deeper way. Just imagine, and I pitch this all the time to my prospective clients, partners, just imagine if everybody in a community had assessment and were aware of everybody's strengths Mm -hmm. uh, and lease access strengths or the personal effectiveness report and where everybody falls on. Just imagine if everybody had that, that, self-knowledge, right? The, the information on everybody else, mm. right? The self-awareness, others' awareness, right? Intentionality. Imagine if the world had that, how much more advanced we would be on a number of different issues uh, and where we would go on that. And so that's, that's my hope. My hope is just to, you know, me doing this, I'm trying to do my small part in the, in the region or the states and that I'm in and go from there. Uh, you can find us personally, LinkedIn. My LinkedIn profile has all my personal contact information on there. Or we're also doing our, our consulting and training stuff through the PAC. So permariacommunitycenter.net. And we have a whole PAC consulting section that we created. So it's kind of two entirely different things. Some's board related, some's individual related, some's team related. So Awesome. And we'll, of course, have all of your links and info in the show notes as well. Allison, to you, what's your hope? My hope is that people continue to have the courage to be themselves and continue to grow and learn in life. Definitely, my hope is that after hearing this, people will be more curious in life. Mm. Imagine if we were all a little more curious. I think that would be a better place and definitely through yeah your the tools that you guys have developed it's the perfect way to incorporate all of it well thank you both for those plugs by the way um allison (laughs) (laughs) where can folks find you you can find me at flourishfactor.com um you can always email me hello at flourishfactor.com or at flourishfactor on all the social media platforms Excellent. Well, we'll make sure um, to encourage folks to find you both on the platform so that they can connect with you and continue the conversation. Thank you both so much for joining us to talk about staying curious. Um, thank you. I think it's a yeah. Thank you. 
And I am so excited that we got to talk about silence. So thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) Stay curious. The deeper way, there's always more. In times of sharing and processing, the first response is rarely deep enough, rarely insightful enough, and rarely gets to the heart of an issue. Encourage people to go further. Use the skills of probes, silence, and open-ended questions to facilitate deeper exploration. A deeper way. Foundational tenant number four.